morning we're continuing on what we started last uh, Sunday morning during the sermon or after the sermon. If you've got a question about something in the Bible text that we're looking at, or you've got a question about something, anything, completely unrelated or whatever, you can text that in, tweet that in, or go online and do that. That information is in your bulletin as well, and we'll tackle that right during the message this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for your word, and we ask now that you take your word and give us understanding. Take your word, teach our hearts your promises. Take your word and equip our feet to live out your commands. In Jesus' name, amen. Probably a little over a year ago, someone doing laundry at our house, and we're not going to hear any names this morning, but somebody forgot to check the pan pockets to see if there were any pens before putting stuff in the laundry machine. Well, there was a pen left, and again, we won't use any names of who left the pen in the pocket, but there was a pen left in the pocket, and next thing you know, we've got a little bit of a mess going on with the laundry. And heaven forbid, in that set of stuff was one of my favorite shirts. And you know how I get addicted to shirts and kind of just like to stick with what works. When that, and that laundry is one of my favorite shirts, and it came out, and it had ink stains. I don't know how well you can see, but we got one here on the back, which isn't actually too bad. That, that's wearable, actually. <laughs> that's wearable. The, the bag came in the sleeve. Right there. That came out. That was just a lot of disappointment. Well, that was a little over a year ago that that happened. Well, what I thought I would do after it happened is I took the shirt and I just put it in my closet. Because I thought, maybe if I let it rest in the closet longer, if I pull it out in another year, maybe my favorite shirt will be back to working condition. Well, I pulled it out this week, and you saw the results. Nothing happened. It's the exact same situation it was when I put it in the closet. Oh, who would have thought? Oh, yeah, you have to be crazy to think that you're going to take a shirt, put it in the closet, and a year later, out is going to come the shirt with all of the stains gone. I think we would all agree this morning. That's not just wishful thinking. That's crazy thinking. Okay? It's not even in the realm of possibility. So often, though, we do that with stuff in our lives. So often, we do that with stuff that Jesus talks to us about. This morning, for example, one of the things he talks to us about is worry and anxiety. And we say to ourselves, I know, I shouldn't worry as much. We say to ourselves, stop being anxious. And we think, okay, I've told myself to stop worrying. We think, I know God's word says, don't worry. And then we think, well, we're going to stop worrying. I would contend this morning that thinking we're going to stop worrying by knowing that worrying is bad, or we're going to stop worrying by telling ourselves to stop worrying, is about as crazy as putting a shirt in a closet and thinking that the stain is going to go away. And I would contend this morning, we'll look at it here in Luke chapter 12, that Jesus says the exact same thing. That I'm getting this right from God's word, that God's not just saying, hey, don't worry because worry is a bad idea. And you're going to stop worrying now that you know it's a bad idea. But Jesus gives us the thing that says, this is the only way you're going to stop worrying. This is the only way you're going to stop anxiety if you do this. And that's Jesus' message to us this morning. 
is that he's not saying, hey, don't worry any longer. Tell yourself that. No, Jesus is saying this. Reposition yourself. Reorient yourself. Start to pursue something different. And then the fruit of that is less worry. The fruit of that is anxiety is gone. Look with me if you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 12. The key verse here in Jesus is speaking, teaching in Luke 12, starts in verse 30 and 31. Verse 30, Jesus says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying there, he's saying, hey, all the other worlds, your Bible translation might say Gentiles, which means all people that are outside of the nation of Israel, outside the people of God. So Jesus is saying here, hey, all of those who do not have the God of Israel as their God, all of those who are godless, basically, guess what they're doing? They're pursuing this earthly stuff. They're pursuing this stuff, what you eat and what you drink. That's what they're doing. Why are they doing that? Look with me back here in Luke 12. Now go back up a little ways to verse 23. Verse 23, Jesus was giving them a reason for why not to be anxious. He says, verse 23, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry or be anxious about that, because life's not about that. But then he says a little bit later, hey, the nations of the world, those outside of relationship with God, are pursuing those things. Why? Because they believe through those things they have life. That was the misteaching that they had bought into. They thought that life didn't consist of eating, drinking, having certain things. But that actually doesn't bring you life. Life comes through a different pathway. And that's what Jesus is trying to do here. He's trying to say, hey, that's what's going on in the world. And then the key word comes. Grab your pen, your Bible. The key word comes in verse 31. Instead, circle that word, underline that word. It's a key, verse in the key word in the passage because what we're seeing here is a transition. He had just laid out what's going on with normal operating procedure. And now Jesus says, hey, not so with you. But it's, it's different with you. In other words, instead, something different. So Jesus is trying to reorient his followers. He's saying, hey, the world is pursuing all this stuff, and they're living in anxiety and worry. Not so with you. No, 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 no. You need to pursue something else. Well, what is it that we're supposed to pursue? He says here in verse 31, seek his kingdom. So in other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you need to pursue my kingdom, not the things of this world. And when you pursue my kingdom, it reorients, it gives you a different perspective of the things of this world. Well, what does it mean to pursue the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is kind of a, a churchy term that we don't use a lot sometimes, depending on which tradition you come from. But the kingdom of God is found a lot in the gospel. That's basically the only terminology that Jesus uses is this idea of the kingdom of God. So it tells us in the Gospel of Mark that as Jesus was traveling from village to village, he said, repent and believe, for the kingdom is at hand. And then in other places it says, and Jesus went about teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was Jesus' main message. That's what he taught about. Well, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God can very simply mean the reign 
of God. So whenever you see in the Bible it says kingdom of God or it says kingdom of heaven, for example, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God. The reason for that is the book of Matthew is written primarily for a Jewish audience. Jewish audience was very careful about how they used the term God. And so he used the kingdom of heaven there because it would be a better way for the Jews to connect with the message. So kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are the same phrase meaning God's reign. In other words, God's in control. God has done something. So, the kingdom of God is when God is in control, when he's reigning. Now to understand the kingdom of God, we have to understand that the kingdom of God is spiritual in the sense that it's not here fully yet. So what I want to do is try, try a little diagram to help you understand the kingdom. We're going to start with creation. So the Bible teaches that in the beginning there was nothing, and then God created the world. Okay? You could say that there is creation, and then God set the world on this journey, on this pathway. Immediately following creation, there was the fall, which that means there was sin or there was wrongdoing. All of a sudden, creation fell kind of into a bad system. Bad stuff started happening, happening because creation was no longer perfect. Creation was originally perfect, remember? Genesis chapter 1, at the end of each thing that God creates, and it says, it was good. After the fall, <laughs> we just put very simply, no good. You know, bad stuff starts to happen because sin entered the world. So creation, the fall, and no good. So then what you have, and this is a little bit dry, but it's important to understand, to understand your Bible. Then what you have is you have God choose the nation of Israel. God chooses a group of people, and he says to this group of people, hey, I'm going to use you to bless all other nations, or in other words, to bring the rest of creation back what? Into God's kingdom. Because creation had fallen from God's kingdom at the fall, so then he chooses a group of people and he makes them the nation of Israel. So this people group was supposed to come from this people group, was supposed to come a Messiah who will represent by a cross. So through the nation of Israel, there was this promised Messiah who was going to come. Jesus. And so when Jesus came, Jesus said, Hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, how can that be? Jesus, how can the kingdom of God be at hand? Because you're here, but we're still in the fall. There's still all this bad stuff happening. It's because the kingdom was just starting to break in. So when Jesus came, and Jesus went from village to village, and if he healed people, he would say to them, The kingdom of God is present. And the reason for that was because at that moment, their enemy was defeated, Satan or whatever else was holding them hostage, and they came under the reign, the authority of God. So the kingdom of God was starting to break in. And then ultimately, the kingdom of God came through Jesus' death and resurrection. So we'll draw a little tomb here. That's a tomb. And then there's a living person coming out of the tomb. I got to see your DNR. So we got the cross and the tomb. This is the kingdom breaking in. So now what happens is this. The kingdom of God breaks in, but it's just starting. So what the Bible promises us is that now in history, the message of the cross and the resurrection is going out to all nations. That's why Jesus says, 
preach the word to all nations? Because he's what? He's taking the good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God, to all places on earth. Giving people an opportunity, a chance to experience the kingdom now. So that's going on now. The cross is being preached everywhere. And then ultimately, running out of room, ultimately what happens, the Bible promises us that when Jesus returns, the kingdom is fully established. So we're going to preach, and then at some point in history, Jesus is going to return. When Jesus returns, guess what happens? We return to the perfect creation. Because the kingdom of God is here in fullness. So the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. The kingdom of God is here, but not yet. Say that with me. Here, but not yet. That's the kingdom of God. So God's reign is here on earth. God's reign is here on earth. When you step out and you say, Jesus is Lord. The kingdom of God is here when you experience hope and peace and joy through Jesus. So it's here with us today. It's in this room. But it's not here yet in completion. There's still sickness. There's still evil. There's still broken relationships. And at some point when Jesus returns, that's all going to be gone. And the kingdom is going to be here in fullness. So the kingdom of God is the reign of God. And it breaks in in the middle of creation. And it's building momentum right now. You can't maybe see it. And you maybe even doubt it right now. You might be looking around going, wow, things are pretty bad. Don't believe the news. Don't believe everything you read. The gospel is spreading to more parts around the world than ever before. We are really close to taking the message of Jesus to every language. Has sin increased as well? Absolutely. But guess what? The kingdom has been moving to every corner of the earth. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on in the midst of the trouble. So the kingdom of God breaks in and it will come in fullness. And so Jesus is saying, okay, hey, you are supposed to pursue this kingdom. You're supposed to pursue the reign of God. Well, what does that mean? We got, you got seminary right here in the last five minutes, okay? So now let's break it down really practically. What does it mean to pursue this? To pursue the reign of God? What it means to pursue the reign of God is this. Is to say, Jesus, I want to honor you in all things. Because in the kingdom of God, Jesus is ruling. The kingdom of God is present when he's in charge or he has full authority. And what do you want to do with someone who has full authority? You honor them. When someone has full authority and they say to you, do this, what do you do? You honor them by fulfilling their request. So to seek first the kingdom of God is to desire to honor Jesus above all else. If you're taking notes this morning, just write that down. To seek first the kingdom of God is to honor Jesus in all that you do. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, the people of the world... They're chasing after the here and now. They're just going for what feels good. They're going for what? Momentary satisfaction. But he says there in verse 31 and 32, he says, not so with you, hold on. Pursue my honor. Pursue the reign of God. That's what our life as followers of Jesus is about, is saying, Jesus, we want to honor you in all things. So what does that look like in the day-to-day -day life? What does it look like to say, I want to honor Jesus? What it looks like is this. 
examining the areas of my life, all the areas, and saying, am I bringing honor to Jesus? So a lot of times we deal with spirituality like this. I've got my work life, my family life, my play life, and then I've got my spiritual life. And so we say, yeah, spiritual life is a priority kind of mixed in there with those things. And at times we pursue our spiritual life over these things, and at times we pursue this over this. The kingdom of God is completely different. It's this. I'm going to honor Jesus in my work life. I'm going to honor Jesus in my family life. I'm going to honor Jesus in my play life. So the kingdom of God or the reign of Jesus is not something on your priority list. It directs the whole priority list. So I want to honor Jesus at work. So I ask myself this. What would it look like to love my coworkers? What would it look like to love my customer? Because Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Your customer, whether you like it or not, is your neighbor who Jesus is talking about. So how can you love your customer in a way that Jesus is going to be honored? You love your customer by what? Treating them fairly. The Bible talks a lot about dishonest scales. Well, most of us aren't working in a job where we're measuring things on scales. The point is pretty simple, though. You're not lying to your customer. You're not giving them more or less than you agreed to. You're giving them what? What you agreed to. You can honor Jesus at work. You can honor Jesus in your friendships. How do you honor Jesus in your friendships? You honor Jesus in your friendships by fulfilling the one another commands found in Scripture. Extending hospitality to one another. Extending sympathy to one another. Comforting one another. Exhorting one another. Encouraging one another. So I ask myself, how am I honoring Jesus in this relationship? See, this, when you get this as your frame of mind, that my highest pursuit in life is to honor Jesus. This completely changes your spiritual life from being one of rules-based to being one of single pursuit honoring Jesus. If you're rules-based, you say to yourself, hmm, there's no rules about this specifically in the Bible, so I'll just do whatever. That's not the scripture, though. What we're supposed to do is this. How does this honor Jesus? So you have to think through it sometimes, because it's not always spelled out exactly clearly in the Bible. So today, how are you honoring Jesus at work? How are you honoring Jesus in your neighborhood? How are you honoring Jesus with your extended family? We honor Jesus by fulfilling the desires of Jesus, which is to love God and love others. How does this all come back now to worry and anxiety? Well, if we're pursuing the kingdom of God, the reign of God first and foremost, Jesus is saying this basically, this other stuff is going to become secondary. You're going to practically almost forget about it because what? You're so engulfed in something much bigger. So many of us are satisfied by too little. C.S. Lewis has written in a variety of his places that our desires are not strong enough. They need to be stronger. We're satisfied by cars and homes and vacations. None of that stuff should ever satisfy us. There's only one thing that satisfies us, the person of Jesus Christ. At my first job, I was working at Hygie in the produce department. 
Now, if I was working in the produce department, I was working in kind of a middle-aged gentleman, and I noticed he was working all odd hours, where all of the other full-time employees kind of had the set schedule, 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. He just said he's working all these odd hours. And then we always took breaks whenever the salad ladies took breaks. The produce department shared a room kind of with the salad bar department. Thinking, usually all the ladies wanted to take breaks with me. That was a different story. A different Remember, I was working with this guy. Remember, I was working with this guy. He's like, hey, let's go to break. And it's always, I mean, it was on cue when the salad bar department was going on break. Everything revolved around the salad bar. And so then one day I asked my boss, I said, I said, why do we always get our schedule one day after the salad bar department? Because you walk into the room and the salad bar gals are looking at their schedule a day later, the produce schedule is like, what's going on here? Everybody else in the whole store gets theirs on this day. He's like, well, Chad wants it one day late. He's like, you're going to have to ask him. All right, we're going to be one day break. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Why do we get our schedule away? Why do you see He just says to me very simply, he says, I want her. What? I want her. Well, there was a young lady, not a young lady, another middle-aged woman that he was extremely interested in that worked in the salad bar department. So what he did is he had his supervisor work his schedule that the salad bar schedule would be completed and then his supervisor would look at that schedule and schedule him at the same time. And everything we did, break time, everything revolved around what's going on around the salad bar. This is how goofy it got at times. This guy absolutely hated to wrap watermelon. So you cut watermelons and then you have to take that saran wrap and wrap it and get it perfectly to go to the front. It's harder than it looks. He just did not like this. He always made us young people do that. Except when the lady was in the back washing vegetables for the salad bar. Then he's back there, what? Wrapping watermelons. The very thing he despises. You see, everything revolved around this one pursuit. He wanted her. Jesus is saying this, you have one pursuit. That one pursuit is the kingdom of God, where Jesus is in charge and Jesus reigns. Now, one pursuit, guess what it does? It affects when you go on break. That one pursuit affects where you go on vacation. That one pursuit affects who you spend time with. Because that one pursuit is eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. Well, you want to know if he got her or not? He didn't get her. <laughs> I actually went back a couple of years ago and he was married to the gal from the Frozen Department. <laughs> I don't know how they work those schedules out or whatever. That's none of my, none of my business. We do crazy stuff, don't we? We do crazy stuff when we get something in our head or in our soul. And what Jesus is saying here is, I'm going to give you one crazy pursuit. Have you ever wondered why Jesus would say something crazy like, open up your Bibles with me. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. I want you to know that this is from the text. This is not from me. Look at the text. Verse 32. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens, 
that does not fail. Okay. It doesn't get much crazier. Sell your stuff and give it away. Why would Jesus make such a crazy encouragement? Or, oh, hold on, I got that wrong. Why would Jesus make such a crazy command? It's not an encouragement. It's not an idea. He just says it. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Why? Because he knows the pursuit that he just gave is going to lead to that. Because that pursuit is eternal. And when you get obsessed with the eternal, all of a sudden it changes everything about the here and now. What are you doing right now to invest in eternity? Let's think very practically right now. What are you doing right now to invest in eternity? There's only one way to invest in eternity, and that's people. Because guess what? Everything else is going away. Everything else is going away. There's going to be ultimate destruction before there's a brand new kingdom. Everything. Your favorite car, your favorite home, your whatever. It's going away. It's going to be burnt. And then a whole new kingdom is going to come. So the only thing eternal right now is people. So the only way to invest in eternity is to invest in people. What are you doing right now to invest in eternity? How are you spending time with people? What are you intentionally doing right now to reach people? And you know the only way that people become eternal beings is through the Word of God. The only way, the Bible tells us that the Word of God, when someone comes to faith, they become eternal at that moment. They enter into eternal life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So therefore, the only way to invest in eternity is to invest in people alongside the Word of God in pouring the message of Jesus Christ into those people. You might have thought this was planned. It wasn't planned. We had this passage of Scripture planned before Kids Camp came along. Guess what? The best way to dig into eternity right now is to get back in here on Wednesday night and care for those kids. Because guess what? They're eternal beings. They're eternal souls. We're not trying to build a church program. We're trying to extend the kingdom of God. You want to do something for eternity? Get in your van and go pick up a couple of kids and bring them here on Wednesday night. You want to do something for eternity? Get here on Wednesday night and scrub dishes when the kids are done eating. You want to do something for eternity? Get here on Wednesday night and get on the stage and do some crazy actions to help other kids sing some songs about Jesus. You want to do something for eternity? Say, I'll be in a community group to study God's work together so we can nurture our souls and so that we can nurture other people in their spiritual journey as well. These aren't programs for the sake of programs. These are programs for the sake of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying this, pursue the kingdom above all else. What are you doing today to pursue the kingdom of God? Well, I don't think I'm going to wear the shirt next Sunday. It's actually probably going to go away in the near future. But it's not going away. And the stain's not going away because I stick it in the closet. There's only one way the stain goes away. You got burned shirt. Or you got to take it to a professional Guess what? Your worry and your anxiety 
is not going away by telling yourself to stop worrying. There's only one way. It's the Jesus way, where you pursue the kingdom of God above all else. We're going to close our time together today with a, with a prayer and pray that God would encourage us, pray that God would move upon us and equip us. Let's just see if there are any questions today. I want to go to the next slide, see if anybody submit a question. Feel free throughout the week, if you're reflecting on the, the message during the week, feel free to write in a question. I'll respond to it online, but there's none right here yet. So what we'll do is we'll close our time with a word of prayer this morning and uh, ask that God would give us wisdom on how we can pursue His kingdom above all else. Just invite you to time. Open your hands like this this morning for our prayer time. We're just going to ask that we're just going to ask God, give me your kingdom today. It says it right here in the scripture that He's the giver. He wants to give us His reign. Let's just ask Him. God, thank you for this opportunity to worship this morning. We ask now for your kingdom in our lives. Give us the ability of faith to trust in you. God, give your reign, your rule, and your authority in our hearts and our minds today. Lord, right now, our lives are opened up to you. Our hands open as a symbol that our hearts and our minds are open to you today. Right now, God, if there's anything in my life, if there's anything in anyone's life in this church that's not bringing you honor, that's not pursuing your kingdom. God, make that known to us individually right now. God, let us know by your spirit if we're not bringing you honor. 